everybody. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode number 116. So glad you're with us. It's been a long time. My name is Gabe Essel. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi-Leach and Jonathan Getz. Tonight, we're going to be going back to the cardboard, looking at Fleer, one of the primary card brands of our youth. Less iconic than Tops and less flashy than Upper Deck, Fleer simply got the job done with some gems thrown in in between years. On a completely unrelated note, we will head to the merch tent discussing our favorite concert purchases and all items related to band swag. I am excited. Join us at the buffet as we go for Fleer and fun tonight on Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu, episode 116, Fleer and Clothing in the Concourse. I'm here with my co-host, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? Good. It's great to be back. It is great to be back. As we're recording this, uh, it is it is early January, so I hope everybody's 2023 is off to a good start. We will bring you more episodes of Rock and Roll Shinsu to Chew in the new year. Um, well, guys, let's go ahead and get started. Um, we a, a few episodes ago, we profiled Don Russ, one of the kind of you could call him the big five brands uh, of cards when we were growing up as kids. And we've talked a lot about the the ups and downs of the card market um, while we were growing up. Um, and so tonight we're going to focus on Fleer, which um, kind of kind of falls somewhere in, in, in the middle between Tops and uh, an Upper Deck in terms of its design and some of its innovations. But uh, I'll let you guys go. If somebody wants to start here, we can just talk about kind of – you know, we're, we're, our our era kind of seems to be eighty six to ninety two, but Fleer also had some really nice card, good looking cards in the early eighties. Uh, Levi, you said you discovered a few as you were yeah, researching this episode. Take us to the early yeah. part of the eighties with Fleer. I had uh, I had seen you know, obviously Fleer. For those that don't know, were around for a little while in the sixties. Oh, okay, but they um. You know, they went under, and so 1981 was kind of their first back at the game, so to speak. And so, in looking at those, I was impressed by the style of the 81 Fleer. They have almost a uh, a Don Russ look to them. The one I found, I don't have it on me currently, but I remember having for sure, is the, uh, there's a Pete Rose when he had gotten traded, I believe, it to the Phillies. And um, it's it's a it's a good looking card, and I just I, I like the style with there's like a baseball and the font style of it, and um, after after eighty one it goes downhill a little, but I'm I'm kind of judgy, you know. As a Ryan Sandberg fan growing up, I I had to get the eighty three Fleer Sandberg rookie, and for those who have never seen that year, it's a uh, just a solid light gray border, which kind of sometimes became their calling card, is just being kind of plain Jane, single color um, type of a type of a product. Helve- literally Helvetica font, which is you know, pretty <laughs> yeah. default. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I... My then next kind of going into them would have been when we all started, which was the 87 Fleer. I remember yeah. they were the light blue colored uh, product. But before I'm, you uh, jumped into that, speaking of light blue, though, regarding that Sandberg, isn't isn't yeah. he in that in that card? He's wearing like light blue, the light blue Cubs tops and bottoms with white pinstripes. Yeah, I believe that's his uh, rookie. That. That's a that's a tough that's a tough uniform for your rookie card. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, especially when in comparison the tops, you know, the tops is like bright and white and has like a little bit of a purple logo at the bottom yeah. and it's got his picture of his face upshot and then it's got the action photo of him batting whereas the 83 the 83 flair of him is uh yeah, I mean it looks it looks bushly in comparison yeah. to the Tops product, but I think that was kind of, you know, that was the story of Fleer is, 
I don't know if maybe they knew they would never be as good as tops, <laughs> yeah. but they were certainly going to try. And so, um, yeah, the, the yeah to be in, in baby blue on a pale gray color scheme is uh yeah it's kind of a nightmare for any player I would assume it's an unfortunate uniform <laughs> yeah that probably been a right around the time they they discontinued those right probably right around there those yeah, yeah I, for a much 80, I don't remember them in eighty four yeah Fleer um you know always you you know they were. They were never probably the best looking card of the years where they were alongside the other th- other um, uh, three or four cards, you know, the premier brands. Um, and, and they had some years that, that were not good at all. But um, there's there's kind of a like Levi mentioned, kind of a consistency to them, I suppose. Um, you went to 86. There's a really there's a good looking Bo Jackson photo, just very him looking very youthful in it from 80 i'm sorry 87 excuse me the blue 87 is the blue right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, that that scheme works a lot better it's got the color gradient where it's like white mm-hmm, and then it yeah. fades up to the yeah. blue and yeah. it, they're you could tell at that point the quality of their photos were getting better compared yeah. to those 83 cards yeah a lot of the 83 like the 80 you know, basically 81 through 84 or 5, all their photos kind of look washed out. Yeah. yeah. It's the, yeah. Uh, it's the uh, infamous era in which Keith Olbermann claims that even he was a photographer and he had no business being a sports photographer, a sports card <laughs> photographer. So they were they were just taking anybody they could get to take those photos. Yeah. There's some good the, looks uh, that 87, though, said. I I I I... I there's some good looking pictures. There's good looking profiles mm-hmm. of guys, you know, mm-hmm. earlier in their early some superstars early in their career. Like like I mentioned, Bo Jackson. The Conseco card is good looking from that year. The McGuire card's good looking. Barry yeah. Larkin, Bonds wearing the uh, the old school Pirates hat. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ricky Henderson's still on the Yankees. That's kind of a memorable one of him just kind of smiling and you know taking batting practice. It looks like so. I did. I, yeah. I, I definitely agree with Levi that the you know the first or after the first year you know they they kind of they're pretty dull uh, from like eighty two eighty three eighty four but then I I feel like once you get into the latter half of the eighties they start to they start to like f- kind of feel out where they're where they want to be and they're they, like they aren't going to be tops which like tops is more of this organic feeling set. Um, and, and so they like, they tried to put a little bit of style into it. And especially with that 87, with the blue to white gradient and, and even, um, going back to 84, um, which is, uh, this is a Maddenly rookie where it's got the, the blue stripe across the top and the bottom. I mean, they're taking some chances there. Yeah. Um, It's not a bad looking card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and one thing you could always kind of. I, I don't. I don't know if we'll rely on is the word, but Fleer was willing to like insert some cards that like you would get a chuckle from, whereas like Tops always seemed like serious, like serious photos sure. of all the players. Like a couple for sure off the top of my head is the '84 Fleer, which I had these because I had the team set of the Cubs. Jay Johnstone was on the Cubs in 1984. Yeah. And so there's a photo of him in the solid blue, like batting practice shirt jersey. And it must have been a giveaway that day at the game or something. But it, it's one of the hats that looks like an umbrella. It's like it, it's like a hat on your head, but it's an umbrella. And it's got all oh, the Budweiser logos all over it. Yes. And so yeah. and so it's hysterical. I can remember being a kid and being like, what, what the hell is that card? And then another <laughs> one that they did that I remember having back in the day was uh, in 1986, the 86 Fleer, which is a, a decent looking set. The main right. set is like a dark blue on the outside. And then each player's nameplate is kind of in a, a courting color to match like team colors. Yeah. Right. And so... There's an 86 Mickey Hatcher card, and Mickey Hatcher's holding a baseball glove that's like, like the, it's huge. I don't know how to explain it. It's like gigantic. And he's like acting like he's playing baseball with it. He's like, 
And so, like, that, you know, that kind of showed me that they weren't completely serious like Tops was. Yeah. Granted, I ended up probably buying more Tops throughout all those years. But, yeah. like, yeah, it, it, at least there was a little a little brevity in their, in some of their photos and stuff, which yeah. was neat. I agree. And to yeah. your point, too, they, they would do a lot of pairs of players mm, yeah. over the years where it's, it's almost like they didn't plan it. They're just like, Oh, we got this cool photo of like, I don't know, Eric Davis and Bobby Bonilla. I don't know. And they're like, let's, right. let's go ahead and yeah. put them on a card together for some reason. Eric Flunk and Conseco. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. They're on the team. They should be in a card together. Like, um, some of the one where they had the matching sleazy mustaches. Uh, Eric, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Conseco. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> But and that's an example where it's like two different photos. It, the ones I'm thinking of are like the same. It's like two guys in the same shot. And uh, there's one, too, where it was, it, I think it's uh, G- George Brett and maybe Gaylord Perry. And they're playing up the pine tar incident. And um, and I guess Gaylord Perry was on the Royals at that point, too, because they both have Royals jerseys on. Yeah. Uh, and so they just like, like and, and Brett's like, you know, wiping up his bat with the pine tar and, and I guess Gaylord Perry implying that maybe he also had the pine tar on him. Um, so yeah, they would have fun. They had a lot of fun. Um, a little bit looser than tops for sure. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, it was a bit more, I guess, sophisticated in design. I want to say, um, right. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely, definitely eighties elements a lot to their yeah. design. Sure. Yeah. And then, I mean, I I don't know if you guys remember the 1988 Fleer set. It's like red, all white, red, white, blue stripes blue. on the side. Yeah, yeah. It's my those favorite. Are, are, yeah, those oh, are really? You like those? It's my favorite set, yeah. Really? Of theirs. Uh, I yeah. disagree. Well, yeah, I'd be curious to hear why, because I, I, I actually think that's next to the yellow ones, which we'll get into in a minute. That's my least favorite. But go I, on. I, I like it um, because, again, they're, they're trying something a little bit different. And there, it looks really unique. Like it's instant, it's instantly recognizable. And it looks like a trapper keeper to me. You know, what's wrong know. with that, Gabe? Yeah, I, I kind of <laughs> dig that. There's a really good Mark Grace card. One of his first, uh, one of his first Fleer is '88 Fleer. It's a good yeah. shots in here too. Like that Wally Joiner swing follow through. Uh, I haven't seen that. This beauty of an Eric Davis. Uh, another follow through shot. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I um, I I like it because in two, it's a lot different than uh, the the previous year, and uh, uh, and I, I yeah, it was a lot different than everything else that year because eighty eight tops is probably my least favorite set. Those are the sets great. I collected. No. Um, no. so this would have definitely stood out. I felt like, um. I didn't buy Fleer a lot. I would only buy it when I wanted a little something different. <laughs> right, right. No, and, I, I know what you mean. I, I was thinking here, I, I never had a box, uh, like a wax box of Fleer, where I, I think I did have at least one of all the other brands. You know, I had, I got yeah. a box of Score one year for Christmas, or right? yeah. you know, I picked up a box of Tops, and I I got a box of Upper Deck one time. Um so like, yeah, Fleer was never never as desirable as as the other brands per se, but revisiting them, um, the subtleties of some of the designs I do like. Um, yeah. Now that Levi had mentioned them, I had overlooked them. I like the '86 ones with the dark blue background. Yeah. I think those look. There's a uniformity to a lot of these Fleer cards, but those I think I like those. '87. I do like those as well. Um, the blue-white gradient ones? Yeah. Yes, I like the, I like mm-hmm. the 87. 88, I'm not a fan of. Um, 89, if, if I'm not mistaken, 89, the gray. Oh, yeah, gray pinstripes. Yes, the gray pinstripes. Gray and white. Bland here there. Yeah, pretty bland. But as, like, arguably could have been the biggest year of Fleers ever. You had the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, you had the Randy Johnson rookie card, and then you had good old Fuckface. Fuckface, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
That's that's the most Billy iconic Rick. card from that set. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. Fleer will be known for fuckface. Yeah. That's that's that might be the most famous Fleer card. I mean, for obviously, sure, it's one I would of the say yeah. baseball cards ever, but it might be the most famous Fleer card. I mean, it's one of the most famous cards of all time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But um, I'm saying, you know, Upper Deck's got its. King Griffey Jr. Right. really up close shot, you know, from right. 89. Tops has all of its iconic cards. Yeah. Score doesn't but really I, have any icon- iconic cards, but I will we'll get to score another time. But yeah, I, I will agree 89 is in in my lower, you know, it's in their least attractive product. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, they kind of phoned it in on that one. Um, yeah. Because they, they knew that they had peaked with 88. Let's face it. Right. <laughs> I, for, for a simple design... I do like 1990. Yeah. No, dude. Yeah. 90 might be my favorite. 90 yeah. might be my favorite Fleer. It's good. The the second year King Griffey Jr. card is beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. With the it's got yellow around yeah. his mm-hmm. name and stuff and then it's got blue accents and he's in the blue and yellow uniform. It's just yeah. Mwah, yeah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they went with uh, a yellow for I don't I don't have any other Mariners cards from that year in front of me right now. Did they go with a yellow for all the Mariners that year? Because that's a good choice, you know. Yeah. It accents the blue like Levi mentioned really nicely. That's a good question. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm seeing it what I can find now. Like that. I got Henry Cox is in yellow. Mike Jackson's okay. in yellow. Yeah, it does appear that yes. So most like okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Harold Reynolds yellow. I mean, it is. It, it, it's a bit of a. They're copping a bit of what of the '89 tops. A little bit, a little in, bit. in kind of spirit. You're talking with the '90s here. Yeah, the 1990 yes. Fleer is in. It seems like it's influenced by yeah. the '89 the ribbon, tops. You know, like the ribbon and '89 tops has the swirl. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, it's not. It's, yeah, they are. They didn't steal any design. It's just kind of influenced. Yeah. The back um, of the '90s isn't great. Like the red kind of hurts my eyes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like a pink kind of with a white font. Yeah. yeah, that's not great. But yeah, those are these are really good looking cards. Um, yeah, yeah, they are. They are. And I think some decent photos that year too. So my um, the the only '89 Fleer that I have is this Jeff Treadway, and the reason I have it is because it's an error, and it's got, like, a little uh, printer's mark above his hat. And, oh. uh, like a, uh, it's like a blue circle with a, with an, uh, a cross through it. Um, and I think at one point it may have been worth, like, $8. And now it's, oh, dude, it's, it's uh, I'm not sure what the stats are, but it seemed like every, every time you opened up Beckett to Fleer, there were so many error cards. Yeah. And that could be just because they were just cranking out the junk wax. Right. But like, yeah, yeah like you would read the entry for all the Fleer cards. And it would be like error, 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 yeah. error. Yeah. Yeah. They were kind of infamous for it, right? So some shoddy work at the Fleer factory. <laughs> and even, and so, and even the, uh, the Billy Ripken, uh, fuck face. Uh, card. Oh yeah, there's multiple the, versions of that card. The yeah. isn't the um, one of the the censored versions worth more than the uncensored? Yeah, because I forget which one it is. Because one there's them, so many different types of censorship that they did on it. Yeah, there's one with like a white square on the end of the bat, and I think there's one with a black square on the end of the bat. Mm-hmm. And I think one of those is the one you're referring okay. to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but then we get to 1991. <sighs> I just want to be in the board room for the meeting where they're like, let's just go for straight up obnoxious effing yellow for everything. Everything. And, and the, president, the president's like, gold. That's gold. Because he's a Mariners they fan. They did it. They did <laughs> now, it. They did put on. I, I I think those these '90s are vomit as well, Levi. But they did. I did like the fact that they put. They did put um, the play of uh, first. Maybe I don't know if it's the first time, but first year I remember Fleer doing a photo on the back. Uh huh. Oh, on the '91 Fleers. Yeah. Yeah, you may be right. Um, and it doesn't look bad. The backs. It's one of those rare cards. The backs better than the front. 
But, you know, I think of this, if I think of the 91 set, the card that I think of is this one right here, because it's got Tom Glad and a pitcher sliding on it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> right? That's, That's nice. what I always remember yeah. about this set. I'm like, yeah. whoa, Tom Glad and been, hey, let's not get injured here. Going for a slide, right? You know? Um, <laughs> got all yeah, for Bobby idea. Cox, I'm telling him to cool it on the sliding, all right? But, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's just, I mean... The the bright yellow and then what, is it like Times New Roman or something? It's Ish. like it's yeah. like one yeah. of the most generic fonts you could ever have. Yeah, also. yeah, yeah. All so, caps too. It looks yeah, all like caps. Shit. Smaller first name, larger last name across the top, and then just like the the yeah. team name on the bottom, just in the in the serif font. They're, they're like, let's print them. Let's print a billion of them. Um, let's do it. Might might be the of the golden era for us. Eighty six, eighty seven to ninety two. Um, might be the worst cards of the big brands. But the subset in there that is, uh, I don't even Pro, know what these are Mike called. Greenland. This Mike Greenwell Pro Green Vision. Monster. Yeah. And then also this, um, oh, this was it's actually low. a football card. So but Yeah, that's a good looking card. No, uh, those, uh, were, uh, yeah, Jackson. those were awesome. That was, that was one of the reasons to start buying Fleer products was they were one of the first that seemed like to have the art cards like that. Aside from Diamond Kings, yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Attributed to T. Smith. I don't know, Levi, if you know who T. Smith is off the top of your head. <laughs> no, uh, I don't the, know. The art, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I always thought these were badass. I, no, for sure. And absolutely. so it's the saving grace of 91 Fleer is, is that subset. And, and they kept the, them going in 92 as well. They had them uh, uh, in, in that year too. Today. Okay. Did they? Do you guys remember there was like a subset called uh, was it like Dream Team? And it was like yes. black and white photos. I remember having a Wade Boggs. Yeah, yeah. I've got a few of those in here. I've got the Wade Boggs. I've yeah. got Maddie Lee. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a Bonds there one. Were, so the, the, like 90, 91, 92 they did them. Yeah, I'll show and you. like black and white. Here. Yeah, the Wade Boggs, the one I'm thinking of is from 92. Oh, yes, yes. Here's Will Clark's. Yeah. Oh, no, that's yeah. a score. Shit. No, the score, Dream Teams are scores, dude. Oh, shit. Uh, that's right. Set. A little wrong, teaser for the score set. episode there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the Fleer 92s, oh. uh, they're not going to win any awards, but I don't I don't hate these. So... <laughs> I do, and, and ironically, yeah. it's the only set I've ever collected. Like, I, I, it's the only set I ever made on my own. And, and oh, looking you have back to fill on a that, set, huh? okay, I, I do somewhere at home in Illinois. And I'm going looking to back, both on, them is my least favorite player. I think it's my least favorite as well. Really? I mean, ninety-one is ninety-one's pretty bad, but those ninety-twos with like only the last name and like uh, they just look cheap. And it was it was a precursor to crap like Donruss triple play and like yeah all, all it was like right when they were like let's just flood the market with as many different looking junky products yeah and and I think those those were like kind of the grandfather of that why do yeah, you like you them, reconsidering explain them a yourself bit. what's that what, tell us why you like them well. I take that back. I I think the backs are good looking too. I like yeah. I like the about this photo. It's probably about thirty percent of the back of the card. Yeah. Uh, this full, this full kind color of horizontal photo, photo. action shot. I like that. Looks good. Yeah. Um. I think that let me take, these are their best worst looking cards. If that makes <laughs> sense. All right. <laughs> I think uh, the upper deck had put the pressure on everyone to up their photo game, yeah. and then yeah. and and not to have the backs of the cards just be a, a afterthought. Yeah, right. whereas a lot of them before that were. <laughs> it's like, oh, the back yeah. of the cards is just where you throw the stats. That's it. Well, now now you had to kind of take your time and design a whole back of every card. Yeah, right. and and that's and at that point too, I feel like Fleer ended up kind of taking its place in between and and not in a hierarchy but on a spectrum in between tops and upper deck um in terms of 
kind of design and collectability and and you know the tried and true collectors would always collect tops like always and then like sure then they might be influenced to also collect the upper deck whereas the you know the 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 collector hounds would definitely be going for upper deck and Fleer was just kind of like in no man's land in the middle <laughs> between all of that it felt like yeah so uh any other any other thoughts on 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 Fleer's guys and then two, we 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 skipped over Fleer Ultra for what that's worth. Wow. Um, yeah, yes. even though it's you know it's Fleer adjacent, I guess technically. Well, and it was like ninety two. Go ahead, Gats or Levi. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say that was like their, you know, when all the companies realized that, like, we could market a whole premium product in quotes, sure. and. uh even that attempt at that of their first attempt at that isn't very good. <laughs> is that I mean, is the first attempt the one with like the ugly like mar- mm-hmm. green marble looking yeah yep. like this vampire yep. right here yeah yep the one I I personally redesigned um, the, yes and the back of the ninety two though is it's you got like a trio a triptych of of uh, images yeah. of the player and just one one line of stats as a result like like the stats only have the bottom. Uh, like twenty percent of the card, um, so there was a sacrifice there. But yeah, they went all in. Um, they they remind me the the Fleer Ultras are kind of like an uglier version of the Top Stadium clubs that came yeah. out um, yeah. Yeah. around that time. Yeah. That's what they're kind of parallel to. Yeah. Well, and those, and I remember, those were glossy. These aren't glossy. The ninety two isn't glossy like the yeah yeah. That was the first one that Jonathan held up. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Ninety one isn't glossy. Ninety two is. Yeah, yes. the, the one Gabe had was a glossy. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you guys remember like right after that? I think it started in ninety three, which may have been the last time I ever bought a Fleer product. Was they came out with Fleer Flare, and it was like an ultra premium where you only got like eight or nine cards in the pack, and the pack came in like a little, almost like a little box, like a cardboard box. Really? No. No, I never got any of these. No recollection of that one. Yeah, I had a I had one pack I can remember cuz I think they were like double or triple the price of a regular sure. pack of cards yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah. And, and now uh, it's like the standard. Right. Yeah. And um they were on thicker cardstock, all super glossy, full blades. Uh the yeah. fronts all had the fronts had multiple pictures and um Oh, trippy. I yeah. think it was, you know, I was, at the time I was going for trying to get all the Cal Ripken Jr. cards I could get. And so, um, yeah, I had bought, I, I may have bought a couple packs because I ended up getting the Ripken. And then I stopped buying. I was like, okay, I got the Ripken. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, interesting. There was also this um, uh, Fleer uh, baseball MVP set that I bought. I think I got this at, like Toys R Us or KB. Um, this is 88 and it was a set of like 44 cards and um yeah just like a yellow yellow and blue back um nothing too spectacular about them but just kind of another one of those weird subsets that you would find you would buy like the whole set and a you know and like a well yeah at one time at one time it was like every year there was fleer the regular fleer there was like a Fleer All Star product, uh, like a League Leader subset yes. product, and all these yeah. were sold at various places like Kmart or Toys R Us. Mm-hmm. These kind of offshoots, sort of, or yeah, 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 yeah. I I I remember some of those, and Kmart had cards as well, um, and I remember picking up some there too. I had gotten the Toys R Us ones, and I think nineteen ninety. Because the one set had the King Griffey Jr. in it. No, oh, sure. And it, the card the card says, like, Toys R Us rookie yeah. King Griffey yeah. Jr. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I'll, I'll always hold Fleer kind of close um, because, like, all of my initially valuable cards, my, my first valuable cards were all Fleer for some reason. I, I, had, the, I had the Ripken uh, rookie. And then, actually, the, the Canseco Eric Plunk was, like, the first valuable card I ever owned. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the Clemens rookie. Um, and, yeah, I don't know why. It was just a coincidence that they were all Fleer. 
Um, unique shot of Clemens there. You don't you don't really see that kind of angle on a baseball card that often. You yeah, know? very very just like a profile, like three quarters profile, yeah. um, almost like he's he's posing for a portrait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I'd be curious if it's an actual. No, it, it couldn't be an action shot. It's too close of a shot for it to be that sharp. Um, yeah, but. Well, Fleer, I guess the verdict is probably is not going to earn a place on the podium for gold, silver, or bronze um, among <laughs> among the among the major brands. I, but I feel um, like it could finish ahead of, if definitely ahead of score. Um, and Don Russ, I mean, for me, it would it could battle Don Russ for a place on the podium. I see. I'm I'm uh, I'm sympathetic to score, which we'll we'll talk about oh, in wow. uh, the next. That will, which which we will do next. We will do score next um, in a future upcoming episode. So, yeah, I would have to say score and Fleer would go against each other for me. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, t- uh, it's obviously tops, upper deck, and Donruss would probably be my first three right now. But I take think Diamond that, Kings away though, and how strong is Donruss? See, I'm a I'm a Donruss fan, dude. I love some of those styles. The 87 style, the 86 style. I mean, even the redheaded stepchild 90 Donrusses. I, the I literal like, redheaded stepchild. The, the, the Jackson Pollock. Uh, yeah, dude. So, like, I mean, I'm I'm a Donruss fan. Plus, uh, you know, Dick Perez insert cards and the Diamond Kings. And, yeah, I mean, Donruss, I think Donruss is in my top three for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect that. Well, cool. Um, so, stuff, so it's 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 in my top. Fleer's in my top three. It sounds like Fleer's number three for me, four for Levi, and five for Gabe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, Score's going to make the podium for me, and I'm probably the only person that's going to put him up there. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. And upper in deck, that. Um, upper deck. Uh, you know, strong out of the gate, but, you know, they, uh, I thought some of the designs started to blend together a little bit, um, with upper deck, uh, sure. obviously the groundbreaking first inaugural, inaugural year. But, uh, after that, I don't know, I, I, I can't name an upper deck that like really stands out to me after the first year, you know, um, I, I like some of the rookie cards they did where, like, you know, they've got that one of, like, Marquise Grissom and that other guy, and they're, like, outside a bus stop. You remember that one? I do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I think it's Marquise Grissom. I think I think that's who it is. Him or Delano DeShields. It's one of the two. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to, like, really say, like, you know, beyond the 89s, like, how much I love Upper Deck. You know, it's like, yeah. They were they were a good thing, but they just they spoiled us, and then they they also just led to the demise of the industry too. Uh, well, one last point regarding uh, Fleer too is that the, their designs always seem to lean on like one little part of the player like popping out of the photo into mm-hmm. the into yeah. the border, and so yeah, I just always point. like to think of the graphic designers who had to like decide which little part would it be the knob of the bat or the elbow. Or his uh, hat, or his top hat, of his head. or, or yeah. God forbid, his hair. That would be the hardest one, right? Um, right. So it's always fun to look to see what's popping out on each on each card. Um, but I mean, this uh, the Bo Jackson and '88 Flair is. I mean, that's it's so sharp. It's a good looking, that, yeah. yeah, and it, they yeah. got kind of a little gradient going to the white with it, but his but his hat um, uh, sticks out. Oh, it's beautiful. Piece of work. Now there was more affection for Fleer among both of you than I had imagined. You gotta be honest. Yeah. 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 You learned a little bit about us. <laughs> well, no, it was like it was definitely one of the cases like when Fleer was good, they were good, and when they were bad, they were terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they got some stickers in there for sure. <laughs> well, um, Speaking of things that are sometimes really good looking and other times not so much, uh, <laughs> concert merchandise. Um, Jonathan, what was your you, you, you pitched this idea to us to talk about that? Um, what what sparked it? And 
what I guess what what memories do you have of concert merchandise? Uh, well, nothing really sparked it other than a pun. And uh, uh, when I was trying to think of, of something to pair with our uh, topic tonight, and right. uh, and and so, it, but it, it does seem like a valid portion of the rock and roll landscape that that could merit discussion that that we haven't we've only maybe touched upon very vaguely mm-hmm. um and and with concert merch i'm I, I you know i still have my first um t-shirt purchased at my first concert uh and uh that 1994 pearl jam concert and uh, uh i handle it, it like with like gloves a- I was gonna say, is it like, like a dish rag now? It's no, just like, I can wear it. See through it, right? I, I can wear it to Trader Joe's. Puppet, yeah. Is that the one with the puppet on it? Gets? It's the one with the puppet. It says "Freak" on a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and and so, and over the years, of course, like you know, you, you collect these things, and and Levi, like you reference it, just start they start to disintegrate and. And we made a quilt out of out of one out of one set of shirts. Um, and looking back on it now, that's like a like a a, a three thousand dollar quilt that we made <laughs> street <laughs> yeah. street street value. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah might, I, might as well made it out of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so it got me wondering, you know, in in how my experiences with merch booths. Um, differ from your guys's and like what your tactics are like do you always go to the merch booth um that sort of stuff so i was curious to get your takes on it as as a teenager yes i didn't go to a show without trying to get something and it would um you know it would just depend on the per the band whereas like you know an Aerosmith shirt was easily thirty or thirty-five bucks. Yeah, but like you, you could get like a Mo shirt for like fifteen or twenty sometimes. You know, sure. like the jam the jam band merch would typically always be cheaper. Um, right. I learned one time to if I was going to buy something that I sometimes needed to hide it from my mother because one time I got a black crow shirt. And it said something about remedy and we have the cure or something. And it had all these pot leaves on it. And so I didn't even think about it. And so like I wore it, I put it in my laundry. And then the next thing I know, where's my t-shirt? Why is it not in my, (laughs) my drawer? Where the fuck is this t-shirt? Oh, so my mom would like never admit to it, but yeah, she totally fucking either threw it away or burned it or something. And yeah, and so I was like, "Son of a bitch!" And so, Levi and his drug band, right? Yeah, yeah. and so uh, that was disappointing. And then another disappointment with the Black Crows was when we went to the reunion shows in uh, Chicago. There at the Riviera, it was at Halloween, and uh, they had a special sh- poster for that show, and it had. It was like a silhouette of like a black cat or something walking on the top of a fence or something. And I remember it being really cool. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to get that poster at, at, at set break. Gone. Oh, I went out yeah. set break and they were fucking all sold out. Oh, yeah. And so then I, because the reason I didn't go is I think when we got into the show that night, it was fucking chaos at the merch stand. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I'll come back at set break and get a poster then. Gone. So yeah, I learned that lesson. Yeah, they had you know you're not they had a poster for that night, and that that wasn't the case probably like every night of that tour. You know what I mean? Right. Like that they had they had a poster available at the merch tent. So yeah, special special night there. Yeah. Well, and um, occasionally throughout the years, I've checked eBay. I've never seen another no? one come up. Dang. Yeah. Never. Man. Um. The first concert merch I got was from a show that I wanted to attend but did not. Um, Levi, our cousin Chad, went to Def Leppard in 89 at the Prairie <laughs> Capital Convention Center, which how 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 Springfield landed uh, that that show, you know, on such a huge tour, the Hysteria tour is is beyond me. Obviously like 
I'm guessing Springfield wasn't on the first leg of the tour, um, but such a high profile show for Springfield to land. So everybody, everybody and their cousin wanted to go to that. <laughs> and um, so my cousin got me in retrospect, a very ugly, but at the time I thought it was gorgeous black t-shirt, like in the, I would say like probably around like the late eighties, um, the black t-shirt, you know, became like the concert staple concert merch staple. You know what I mean? Like you didn't, in the 70s, you'd see white T-shirts, you know, um, or maybe a T-shirt that's like a Some Heather Gray's color. maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, late 80s hit, and, like, there's always – most of the T-shirts were black and heavy on graphics. They were always really hot when you wore them outside, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> – Yeah, so he got me printing. a Def Leppard one. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's got, it's got all the – it's got the, the things I don't like about concert shirts, right? It's got um, – like photos of the band members, right? Which I don't always like. That looks cool on some shirts, like a really retro one, or if they're drawn as a cartoon or caricatures, or there's just something unique about it. But the Def Leppard one was like, they were all like in like, each each of them had like a little triangle, right? You know? And then it was black as well, heavy graphics. And then on the back, it's got the dates as well, which in retrospect, I don't like. When I'm a kid, you know, I'm like, oh, fuck, I, I want the concert I went to on the back of it, you know? And and now it's like I don't I don't like I, – I don't really like much on the back of my T-shirts, period. I don't really like anything on the back of them. And that was, that was another staple of the merch. You know, you had to have the dates on the back of the shirt. So I, I just kind of like Levi, you know, I just, I just lost interest in concert merch as I got older. Um, I, I, if I walk by the, the merch tent right now, I'll, I'll give it a glance. If it's like a band that's kind of, you know, a, a band I know that, that isn't, you know, Pearl Jam or, 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 uh, you know, Black Sabbath that like doesn't have, you know, that's not playing arenas or something. I might, you know, buy them, buy a shirt from them or a sticker or a koozie. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, the merch tent is not as popular with me as it used to be. One, I want to say one of the last things that I can remember buying would be when I saw ZZ Top around 2010, maybe. Okay. And um, they had at the merch stand. It was, I think, it was only like five dollars, but it was so fucking cool. I still have it. It's over in my. I have the little trinket box over there. It's in. It's the keychain from the Eliminator car. You know, like the silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, CDs? right, right. And it's it's got the little chain and it hangs and shit. And so yeah, I I, <laughs> I used to have a Toyota Celica, and so I had that as my keychain for years. Beautiful. And then I sold that car, but I kept the keychain. And so I figure if I ever get like another hot rod or some kind of little sports car or something i'll I'll bring that out of retirement to be the key again but yeah it's awesome it it looks exactly like the key key keychain from the video that's 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 good merch that's good merch it is yeah 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 um yeah i as far as like enduring um merch i i uh one of my favorite pieces that I that like I shelled out. I think I spent fifty bucks on it. And I was like, "Whoa, man! I'm really treating myself." Was um, the government mule hoodie um, that was that just said uh, it was like an army hoodie, but it was navy blue and and it had and it, and it said mule across it, and it was a zip up hoodie. Like, um, it, was it kind of mule in like the in like the mass uh, mash font, or was it just it was or was it just no? It was, it was a pretty plain Sarah uh, sans serif. Okay. Um, and, but it was, uh, it wasn't screened. It was actually like knitted on there. I don't know what you call that. Um, uh, it's actually like thread (laughs) thread made the letters. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, man, I was proud of that thing and I, I wore it like, uh, it was my, it was my second skin for several years. Um, and, um, and then I, we saw, uh, so George, uh, the Brazilian artist, um, uh, uh, who you know from the uh, Wes Anderson movie, um, uh, whose name is escaping me right now? Um, oh, the life of Steve Zissou. Li- Li- life Aquatic, yeah, yeah. Or Life Aquatic, and yeah. uh, and 
uh, so George is the artist in that who plays the David Bowie uh, right. covers and sings them in Portuguese. And uh, so we saw him play, and he was selling uh, a red stocking cap um, with the uh, Aladdin saying uh, bolt on it, and uh, uh, the red stocking cap mimicking the show. Yeah. And uh, the characters from the sh- from the com- from the movie, and uh, yeah, so that was like a unique little thing uh, that I sure. got to snag. Um, uh, my newest, uh, what I still call my new Pearl Jam shirt, I'm I'm, I'm wearing um, from the Riot Act tour. It's now 20 years old, um, still holding up well, and uh, long long sleeve uh, black shirt, um, just very subtle graphic on it. Um, so yeah, I've got a few things that have endured. Um, I don't know what happened to the mule hoodie though. Kind of miss that. I, I think I think you know. This sounds obvious. Yeah, but I, think the I had a black crow's hoodie. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think I ever bought a concert hoodie. I can't. I don't recall any, at least. No. Um, I had a black crow's one at some point. I remember, but now I have no clue what happened to so it. It was a zip up, and the front it had black crow's embroidered on it. Nice. Uh, nice. Um, um, a, a, a piece of memorabilia that I would have loved to have had back in the day. In 1980, Van Halen had Van Halen necklaces, like gold-plated necklaces whoa. with the v, with the VH and the wings. I'm not sure if I know they sold them like in the albums back in the day. You used to get a form with all the albums. It would be like merch. You could buy merch. Yeah. You know, through the mail. I don't know if they sold it at the shows also, but I know it used to be on the Van Halen merch form that came in their records. And, uh, like, sometimes they'll pop up on eBay. I think they're fairly rare. And, like, on the back of it, it has stamped in the necklace, like, Van Halen Productions, 1980. But, yeah, that, that would have been a killer piece of merch to have back in the day. Yeah, right. Um... I, I would I would imagine like I, I, I think you know the internet kind of changed things because like pretty much any shirt is at our disposal now. Yeah, fans have made better looking shirts now. You know, with yeah. sites like Etsy and, and T Public and things oh, yeah. like that. And I I feel bad because that money's not going directly to the artist uh, or I'm, to well, at least the the band itself. You know, I right. I just bought a Moth shirt and. You know, Ian Hunter's not getting any of that money, unfortunately. <laughs> no, no. Right. Sorry, Ian. Um, but it, that kind of reminds me of that movement um, back in the 90s when you had all of the... Um, there, well, there's always been bootleg concert merchandise, but I, I have fond memories of, you know, like fish t-shirts from the late 90s that were, were boot, you know, that were a play on a song and a corporate logo. You know, like I had the... I had the, the instead of icy, it said it's ice on it, like in that font, like the icy font, you know. Um, and and there were just you go to a show in the late '90s, and there would be in the park lot, there'd be probably a dozen or more different designs, you know. And um, yeah. that those those fish fans of the entrepreneurial spirit. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the Dead were doing that. I think a lot of bands kind of, yep. kind of if they had if they had a hardcore enough fans were, you know, thinking of a way to make some kind of money off the band. Why don't the, the bands uh, make any money off those? No, shows. no, they were, ma- but I'm saying like the fans were making money off the band. Oh yeah. Like yeah, they were right. entrepreneurial. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah, you know, um, that was, that, uh, that, that I was going to say, internet. yeah, that predates the internet and it predates like, I mean, before I got to a certain age to where I could go to shows all the time, all all we had really was head shops. You had to go to a head shop to buy right. any kind of concert type of merch or shirts. And sometimes yeah. even those were bootleg. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I can remember seeing lots of bootleg type shirts at like Penny Lane or Rick's, mm-hmm. which were, for those who don't know, those were like kind of head shop type areas in, in our region. Yeah, I bought a Yes bootleg shirt from uh, from Penny Lane once. Um, Seventy nine tour. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the the um, parking lot uh, scene T shirts are certainly one thing that were that were prevalent 
um, in the late 90s, like you said. Um, but it wasn't until I saw Pearl Jam in London and Dublin in 2000 on the binaural tour where um, there were bootleg shirts being sold after the shows. Like you would just like you would exit the venue and there would be like all these people like selling, you know, $20 sweatshirts and $10 T-shirts that like I went ahead and like got a couple and sure. they were like too big and they were kind of ugly, but like you couldn't pass it up. It was a smoking deal. <laughs> yeah. Right? A, a, a guy I work with wanted a Pearl Jam shirt. Um, when I went to the 95 show, the guy I worked, when I worked at McDonald's out of New Salem, like this guy that was a manager, he's like a dude from Havana. You know, I was told him I was going to the show. He's like, Oh, here, give me a shirt, you know? So I bought him really probably the, one of the ugliest Pearl Jam t-shirts I've ever seen. <laughs> now after it's like, Jonathan had mentioned after the show. Yeah. I got it pretty cheap, you know. It was like I think like I think he gave me thirty bucks. I pocketed like fifteen <laughs> and like he and bought like a fifteen dollar t shirt. It was hideous looking. It had like a hand on it and it had like a kind of like a monster mash, kind of monsters font that said Pearl Jam. And then the graphics just covered like the whole everything but the sleeves <laughs> on the front. <laughs> And then the back of the back of it had the dates and like a really ugly font, you know. It was just a hideous looking shirt, but he liked it. He he didn't know it was a bootleg, you know. He was like, he was like, oh great, thanks, man. I'm like, oh man, that's the ugliest uh, shirt I've that. ever seen. But anyway, You're like easiest well, fifteen bucks I ever made. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, so um, yeah, that there there were there there were some pretty gross looking Pearl Jam shirts after the after the Soldier Field show and yeah yeah I do I do remember yeah seeing like. Some well, yeah, ones. and yeah. the jam scene seemed really prolific with all that. We mentioned Fish and the Grateful Dead, but I mean, it extended to like Mo and Humphreys McGee and a bunch Panic. of other bands. Yeah, so, yeah, and it was creative. Um, I enjoyed seeing those just to like oh, yeah. see what would be out there. Not that I would necessarily buy everything, but um, well, I, yeah, I fun. bought a uh, the Further Fest 2000, Further 2000 Festival. When they were, it wasn't the dead then. The other ones? The other ones, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a really cool poster that a guy hand screen printed. And it's like limited, he signed it. Not that, I mean, not that the guy's a famous artist or anything. But like, it was like, you know, in the pitch black in a parking lot and it was $15. So it's just like, sweet. Like, hey. I would yeah. have liked to have seen that that kind of spirit and and that entrepreneurialism at like non jam band shows. Like it, it would be cool, gets if like there were like back in the day there were Pearl Jam fans that made shirts like that yeah. that were like good looking yeah. and a play on corporate logos. I don't know. You could have like instead yeah. of the Evian logo, you could have Even Flow. You know, whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Something yeah. like that. Like yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen some other bands do that. Yeah, or like other bands fans do that. It's interesting that there weren't like it's just yeah. this hard line between jam bands and everybody else where it's the, mm-hmm. the fans for some reason are, are like ready to go. They got these ideas, man. <laughs> there were, uh, I can remember when I, the New Year's Eve of the Millennium at the Pontiac Silverdome when it was Metallica for uh, New Year's Eve. There was a ton of bootleg Metallica type. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. 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 And, and at the time, you know, I was. At the time, I was anti-Metallica a little bit because of their Napster hatiness and sure. my likeness for free music back then. <laughs> but like, so like, I I thought it was kind of cool. I'm like, oh yeah, fucking tricks wanting us yeah. to pay them for their music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was I was fine with it. I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, those guys are selling bootleg Metallica shirts, fuckers. They deserve it. And so yeah. <laughs> but like there. They may be the only metal band I've ever kind of seen bootleg type merch for. It was not bootleg yeah. yet, but one of the best merch tents I ever saw, our best merch booths, was when we went to that Maiden show. Oh, right. Yeah. Like they yeah. had. They, 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 they're all obviously all black T-shirts. Of course, you can't you can't get an, an Iron Maiden T-shirt not in black, right? <laughs> um I would say, like, I mean, they probably had, guess what, a good, like, eight to nine designs. At least, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A, a, po- a ton of posters, like, yeah. not for that show of that night, per se, but just a shitload of posters. They had, like, like these, lead, these, these nice cups. I got a few of those. Yep. 
they were selling their, their I think their beer there as well. Like, right. yeah, no, Maiden, Maiden, a mouse uh, Maiden goes all with in. Iron Pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Maiden goes all in. So, good deal. One, um, their fans love it. Their fans love the Maiden shirts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, and and uh, yeah, Iron Maiden is yeah. I, I, I don't buy many black t-shirts, but if I had an if I had to get an Iron Maiden shirt, I would insist it be black. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even think it would it wouldn't even count if you if it yeah. wasn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like if you were in the line at the thing and you're like, oh, they don't got white shirts, like everyone would turn around. Like, and... actually, hold like... on, I got an idea. I got an idea. It's like the Nick Drake, like Nick Drake's brighter later album cover, but instead it says Iron Maiden. <laughs> On it, like in the same font. Yeah, let's yeah. start to mix this shit up. Um, <laughs> uh, but so what, one last thing I was thinking about, too, was um, how I found it interesting. And, you know, a lot of the shows we went to early on were like they were like relatively big shows, whether it be, you know, PGA at Soldier Field or or just like, you know, even kind of Mississippi Nights or or uh, anywhere yeah, else in St. Louis. Well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And so. All of those, you know, of course, had merch. Uh, most of them had merch booths. And then it wasn't until later when I started going to, well, like, when I lived in Kansas City, when I moved to Kansas City and and started going to shows around, you know, just at, like, a bar. And to be surprised when you go up to the booth, the merch booth, and it's the artist s- selling sure. the stuff. Right, right. <laughs> and it's fun. It, it was a, a fun uh, change of pace and an opportunity to uh, interact with the artist. Have you guys had any opportunities like that? Uh, you know, I've seen artists go back to the booth. Yeah, like Mother Hips have done that. Um, yeah. I've seen. Um, hmm. I don't, I can't think of any. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, maybe. I may have seen Umphreys McGee go to like the little merch area at the Canopy Club once or twice. Yeah, yeah. But but other Probably than that, see yeah. him see him at the booth now. Now, yeah. no, yeah, this would have yeah. been yeah, like early early days of their yeah of their formation. Um, I saw John John Hammond, the blues artist, play um, yeah. in North KC, and after a show, I went to his merch booth, and it was just like him and his wife. <laughs> man in the booth so i got to talk to him for a little bit and uh uh, i bought a cd he's like you want me to sign it i was like yeah sure thanks (laughs) appreciate it the the mother hips merch booth was the bass player's wife that reminds me of one i a show i worked um i worked for uh roger mcguinn one night and roger mcguinn and his wife were the ones at the end of the show man like i'm like tearing down the stuff on the stage or whatever but like I'm, I look back and yes, yeah, like Roger McGuinn and his wife were the ones like at the little booth table. <laughs> McGuinn swiping credit wow. cards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was mainly the wife. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, that's his, that's, his that's a big name to be at a merch booth. You know, yeah. I mean, at, oh, yeah. at least, yeah. Wow. Cool. This was at a show in a little tiny theater that probably only held like two hundred people. Were you in Colorado at the time? No, it was at UIS. They're at the ba- in the basement of uh, UIS Auditorium. There's like a little small performing arts theater. Oh, wow. only, I didn't know that. It only holds like a couple hundred people. Hmm. Kind of like a black box style theater? Yep, or? Exactly yeah, exactly like okay. that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow, and McGuinn played that, huh? Yeah. Cool. I didn't know they, that. They did a whole series one year where they like he played and then I don't know how you pronounce her last name. Is it like Sarah Jarose? Jarose? It's like J A R O S Z. I don't know. She was like kind of in the in the ninety or uh, like two thousands era, maybe a little bit like Nora Jones kind of okay. style. She played there once, and then um, who else was in that? I mean, it was like just kind of a series they did mm. of all these like small, intimate type performances. Sure. But yeah, you would have thought like more than a couple hundred people would have showed up for Roger McGuinn, but yeah, right, huh? No, it was just no crew, just him and his wife. Oh wow, dang, yeah, yeah, good for them. And a twelve-string guitar, probably. Yeah, <laughs> there was, yeah, Rickenbacker. <laughs> nice, yeah. cool, nice. Well, um, yeah, concert shirts, Fleer cards. We've had some good ones. We've had some bad ones, guys. Yep. So. 
really enjoyed uh, hanging out tonight, and um, and 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 yeah, I uh, get, thank get everybody the old beast fired up again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's good to be back. Good to yeah. be back, and we'll be back uh, more frequently uh, from here on out. So, want to remind everybody: go to rockchew.com for all of our episodes, and uh, you can follow us on 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 Instagram at at at, uh, at uh, rockinchew. And Twitter at Rocket Chew, and like us on Facebook, and tell all your friends, and uh, we will uh, be back real soon. So, have a good night, everybody. Thanks, guys. Take care. Peace.